Thank you for listening to Mule Mountain Messages, proclaiming the Word of God from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. We are currently exploring the amazing Gospel of Luke. Our services are 10.30 Sunday mornings and prayer and Bible study starting at 5.30 on Wednesday evenings. We would love to have you come and join the family. All right, well, this is my first Sunday back for the new year, so Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, in keeping with tradition, I've got some really poor jokes to tell you. Um, so the, this fellow was out fishing. Anybody here like to go fish? And uh, he was out fishing, and the, the ranger yelled at him. <clears throat> he said, hey, you, the sign says no fishing. And the fellow yelled back, I'm not fishing. I'm teaching my worm to swim. Okay, well, so, all right. I don't want to spoil you with too many of those great jokes. Well, last time I was here, we finished up our series in Genesis and kind of did a brief intro into the Gospel of Luke. Try to see, is that a little better? Okay, sorry. Um, so today I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into that introducing and introduction of Luke and then get into Luke's introduction of his gospel. Um, so here are some basics uh, about the gospel of Luke, if you will. It was, of course, written by Luke, right? Okay, that's pretty easy. Um, now, it's interesting in doing the research for this, I came across a, a reference to the Anti-Marcionite Prologue, okay, and that's an ancient writing written between the second and fourth centuries, uh, who actually was a prologue to the Gospel of Luke written back then, and it had a little more information about Luke. I don't know if it's true or not. It's hard to, hard to say, but it's interesting. And they described him as a Syrian from Antioch who eventually settled in Thebes and died at the age of 84. And they said he died without children, died full of the Holy Spirit, died unmarried. But anyway, um, and these anti-Marcionite prologues were actually written to kind of help counter a heresy of a fellow by the name Marcion back in the day. So um, take that if you will. That's just there's a lot of tradition at times. And you see some of the early, not the apostles, but the church fathers who maybe sat under some of the apostles. And so we have their writings. And uh, it's not that big a deal, actually, but I thought it was interesting. I'd never heard of these uh, these before. Um now, based on that information and mostly on the information in Colossians that Paul references Luke among the Gentiles, we are pretty safe ground that Luke was not Jewish. He is one of the Gentile believers. <clears throat> now, when did he write the Gospel of Luke? Well, they kind of depend a lot on the, God, uh, the book of Acts. Because we know Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and Acts. 
And we know from Acts that it stops with Paul being imprisoned in Rome, and it was before his death in 68 AD. And it was actually even written before the persecution of the Christians under Nero in 64 AD. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in school, we're, we're doing, got our new semester going, and three of the classes that I'm teaching are ancient history. And, uh, well, two ancient history, one U.S. history. <clears throat> but in the ancient history, we're talking real briefly about Nero and the persecution of Christians. And it's Nero was not a nice guy. <clears throat> he actually blamed the Christians for the big fire that burned Rome. And as a result, he gathered up Christians and put them on poles along the road, dipped them in tar and used them as human street lamps. All right, so he was not a nice guy. But, <clears throat> so we think that, of course, I mean, the, the, the assumption would be that the gospel was probably written before <clears throat> he wrote Acts. So we're looking at the time frame for the gospel to be about somewhere between AD 59 or AD 63. And in terms of ancient writing, this is very, very close to the actual events. So when he talks about having to write or wanting to write a very accurate account, he had a lot of eyewitnesses to draw from and to talk to. They were actually very close to the events of the life and death of Jesus. And so when writing this, Luke did indeed write before us an orderly account of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, what's interesting is that Luke actually sets out to write details that aren't written in the other Gospels, such as the history of John the Baptist's parents, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and their story. <clears throat> Uh, the angel's announcement to the Virgin Mary and Zacchaeus and the penitent thief on the cross. We have the parables of the Pharisees and the tax collector, the rich man and Lazarus, the prodigal son. All these great narratives and parables that uh, are dear to us really and help us. And we're grateful to have them. And Luke, because of his great attention to detail, incorporated them into his gospel. Now, if we go back and we want to look at Luke's introduction, we kind of reminded that each of the four gospels begins in a unique way. Matthew starts with a genealogy tracing Jesus's descendants from Abraham to Joseph, emphasizing and identifying Jesus as the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant in the Davidic kingship. And we just got through Genesis and we talked a lot about the covenant and, and how it was started with Abraham and then carried on through Isaac and Jacob. Mark kind of starts us right off in the middle of the action. 
He's in the middle of John the Baptist's ministry, uh, leading to Jesus' baptism, and then talks about the, the, the um, temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and then goes into Jesus preaching in the Galilee. So, so Mark kind of hits the ground running with Jesus' ministry. And this is Chuck Swindoll. He describes uh, John's introduction as a theologically rich Christology from above, a hymn to the eternal word of God, John's bold confession of the person of Christ, booms and echoes like a thundering voice from on high. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word or the word was with God and the word was God. Swindoll goes on to say that unlike the other three accounts of Jesus's life and ministry, Luke does not kick off with a genealogy or an action sequence or a powerful piece of prose. He says it begins mostly with something like a sticky note, kind of like a transmittal letter. A, you know, he opens it and it's very, very matter of fact. And he says, oh, you Theophilus, he just kind of saying, here it is. This is what what I brought to you. It does indeed sound very matter of factly. You know, it's kind of like it was written by maybe Detective Joe Friday, right? Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. You guys remember that, right? I don't remember it. I remember the reruns, okay? (laughs) So let's go ahead and look at and take a few minutes to look at Luke's introduction of his gospel narrative. So Luke begins by informing us that there are other gospel accounts. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. So there's other accounts out there. Um, In fact, I like the way the King James says it. They say, for as many, for as much many, well, let me say it again. For as much as many have taken in hand, to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most assuredly uh, believed among us. A declaration, a bold proclamation of the facts in the life of Jesus that is believed by everyone. Facts. It's important for us to remember that we don't believe in suppositions or manifestations or superstitions, but the gospel is fact. They reported on the facts of the eyewitness accounts. More than one eyewitness, I might add. You know, if one person says that Joe robbed the bank, well, maybe we can dispute that. But if 50 or 75 or 100 people say, uh, say Joe robbed the bank, guess what? Joe robbed the bank, okay? And so the uh, eyewitness accounts, there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people that could, if not even thousands of people, you know, he fed the 5,000. And so there's thousands of people that had been touched by Jesus and saw his ministry. And you know, the early evangelists, as they went out, and they uh, spread the gospel. They just shared the facts of what happened. Pretty simple, actually. They didn't get into great theological detail. 
They just said, hey, these are the facts of Jesus' birth of a virgin, his life, sinless, his death on the cross for our sins, and his resurrection, his victory over death, showing his deity, that he was indeed God. And you know what? People listened. And people were given hope. People that saw the sin around them and knew they wanted something better. You know, I'm reminded, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I shared it with our one of my classes. Uh, there's a book called The Peace Child. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that book. And the book basically is these are these missionaries in Indonesia that go to these tribes over there. And one of the things that they discovered when they went there was that if there was a dispute between tribes, the way to settle the dispute was that the offending tribe had to give up a child. And uh, I can't remember exactly now, but it was either give the child to the tribe or kill the child. Well, as you go in, what's that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, but it's interesting because when the missionaries came and they shared the gospel, now, of course, you can see a big correlation, right, between God gave his son and people giving their children. And then, but hearing that, you know what, God gave his son once, and that paid that price, that penalty. You don't have to keep doing it. And when they talked to the people that had came to the Lord, these, these tribes that came to the Lord, they said, you know, we did not like doing this. We hated this, but we didn't know any other way. And so I believe that there's a lot of people in our culture today that see what's going on that don't like what's going on, but they don't know anything different. We live in a biblically illiterate country, society. And really it's up to us as believers to share that with people, to just share the facts. Again, I've said this before, we're not selling a used car, we're not you know, trying to convince anybody of anything, we're just sharing and letting the Holy Spirit do his work. So the people back then were told the facts that there was something better and that something better was Jesus Christ. It was and still is Jesus. So that's all we need to do, share the hope and forgiveness that is found in Christ. Now, make no mistake, truly and honestly, make no mistake. There are people that mock that. I see it all the time. But without a doubt, life is better with Christ than apart from him. And I truly have to shake my head at those people who really believe that mankind is the epitome and the ultimate of life. The secular humanists who believe there's no higher authority than man himself. I really feel sorry for them because they have no hope. You know, there's a, uh, 
a fella who on our church uh, comments from time to time on Facebook. And he is actually a relative of a friend of ours that just kind of happened to see it. And he is very bitter against the church. And it doesn't matter what you put up there, he laughs and he mocks at it. So the result, I mean, you pray for that person. You pray for him. Because he's not happy. He's not happy. So Luke wanted to share this hope and understanding. And he states, hey, I'm qualified to write this gospel. And he's saying that because he says, I carefully investigated everything from the beginning. He investigated it. You know, God isn't afraid of serious and deep inquiry into him. Anybody, I challenge anybody, you want to do it, then you look into and you try to prove the Bible wrong. There's been a lot who have set out to try to prove the Bible wrong, only to be compelled to admit the truth of the scripture. You know, we saw here, I don't know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, that movie, The Case for Christ, Lee Strobel. He was an investigative reporter for the uh, Chicago Tribune, I think, or Sun-Times. And when his wife came to faith in Christ, he was angry. He was mad. And he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to deepen, do a deep dive. He's an investigative reporter and I'm going to prove her wrong and I'm going to prove her to be foolish. Well, we know the outcome. The evidence was so overwhelming that he himself came to the Lord. There's a fellow, J. Warner, Warner Wallace. He's a forensic detective. In fact, he had been called on by numerous um, uh, police departments to come in and look at cold case, cold cases, right? The ones where the trail has just gone dead. And he had a high success rate. So he decided to use his detective skills to prove the gospel wrong. Again, you can guess the outcome, right? And the list goes on and on and on. So if you have doubts and you wonder, go ahead, question God. Bring it before him. Seek the truth. The only thing I would say is be ready for the answer. Be ready for the answer. So finally, Luke goes on to say that he's writing an accurate account. He's being careful in his writing. He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you. He isn't writing a sloppy narrative. He isn't writing something just to get it done or just to hit the surface things. But he's writing in excellence. He's writing an accurate account. He's taking his time. And why? He says right here, so uh, for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So that Theophilus can be assured of the accuracy of what he's been taught. We should strive and we should desire 
to do all things with excellence as it honors God. J.C. Ryle says that Luke does not wish his friend to remain in doubt on any matter of his faith. He tells him that he wants him to know the certainty of these things wherein he had been instructed. Excellence honors Christ. So let me quote, close with another quote from J.C. Ryle. He said, let us begin Luke's gospel with an earnest desire to know more ourselves of the truth as it, as it is in Jesus and with a hearty determination to do what in us we can to spread the knowledge of that truth throughout the world. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the truth of the gospel. We do thank you that you led and guided um, Luke to this excellent account, this accurate account, so that we can know the truth of our faith in you. Father, so open our hearts and our eyes to hear and, uh, Lord, to learn and to draw close to you uh, as we study uh, this gospel, Lord God. And so we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.